0: Today's reading comes from Psalm 78, verses 1 to 8, found on page 579 in your pew Bibles. O my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their forefathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. The word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. And Happy New Year to you! My name is Phil Reinders, I'm the senior minister here at Knox Presbyterian Church. It's my delight to welcome you into this new year and to wish you a happy, blessed, filled with goodness new year. May 2020 brim over with God's goodness to you, your roommates, your family, to our church, to our city, to our world. But it's been a grim start, hasn't it? Yikes! The continent of Australia burning and fires of hostility and hatred and war ignited in the Middle East. What is God calling his people to? For one thing, we need to pray. We're going to pray afterwards for the Middle East. How about we take time to pray for Australia right now, shall we? Join me in prayer. Father, we pray for the continent of Australia, for all those who are suffering, for all those families who are grieving the loss of either loved ones or homes. Father, for just the sheer damage that is being done, we pray for hope and for healing. We pray that you would come to the aid and assistance of all those responders and firefighters, that you would give them strength and endurance, God, to not be so overwhelmed, but to overcome. God, we ask also for forgiveness for all the ways that we have contributed to a climate that would produce such travesty, such catastrophic um, disasters. God, may we be people who place at such the forefront, a a care for your creation. And God, we pray that one of the Psalms says that you open the heavens and pour out blessings. And we pray, God, that in some miraculous way, you would open the heavens and rain down moisture upon Australia in, in radically unseasonal ways. God, would you hydrate that continent so that you could just dampen the fires and give those firefighters some upper hand in this. We pray, God, spare lives, spare homes. Bring hope and healing to that continent, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this year, 2020, it is a special year for our church because it is this church's 200th anniversary, as you've heard. Yes, Which means this year is going to be filled. We're planning a year filled with remembrances and celebrations and good events. You're going to hear more about that later in the month. But in October, we're planning a good weekend, a big gala dinner and a celebration anniversary service. And there's a whole host of other events. You'll hear more about that later this month. Um, but as we enter this 200th year of our church, it's, it's a good time to celebrate, it's a good time to remember. Anniversaries, right, are great times to sort of reflect, recollect, remember. Imagine what that first church of Knox was like 200 years ago. Imagine what life was like back in Toronto in 1820. Toronto actually didn't even exist then, did you know that? Knox precedes the formation of Toronto is a little village called York. About twelve hundred people um, populated York. The Confederation of Canada still yet didn't exist. That would happen forty seven years later after this church started. But in eighteen twenty, Knox wasn't called Knox then, began in the British colony of Upper Canada. Five years after the war of 1812, the war between U.S. and Canada, which Canada won, uh, before that war, five years after that war ended in 1820, a group of Christians formed the church we now call Knox Church. There are only two other churches in Toronto at the time, in York at the time. We are the third church established here in the city of Toronto. And under the leadership of a missionary that was sent from Ireland, Reverend James Harris, a small family of faith, began to gather and to grow. And it was a church that was committed, founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ, dedicated to Jesus, to glorifying Christ. The foundations of this church are rooted right there in faithfulness to the news. This was a church of people who had a story to tell, a gospel story. I wonder what it would be like to sit down with those first founders of this church for dinner. What would that be like? What were they like? I'm curious about where they worked in this city, what they did, how their faith intersected with their regular lives, what their families were like. And then what what moved them, what motivated them to start this new church? And would they have any idea of what their beginnings, their little seeds of faith would produce and plant and what God would do and and take. Would they have any idea that one day they'd be in a building like this, worshiping a, a beautiful, multicultural, international congregation? Well, for the first 18 months, this little congregation met in an old schoolhouse much like many church plants today do. Knox began as a church plant, essentially. And then they built their first church building. Now, get this. It was a church building that they figured could house 400 people. 400 people in a town of 1,200. They planned a church for a third of the population of Toronto. That, that, they were people of vision, right? Of faith. This is part of who we are. This is part of our story at Knox. Think of all the changes that have happened since. All the changes in technology, changes in culture and society, changes in the city, changes in our congregation, our makeup of who we are. It's gonna be fun to reflect, to think back, to look back on the people, the events, the ministry, the history of this church, this story, all those little memories are, are mementos. They are little chunks of history that we piece together into the story of our collective life as a church, into a mosaic of our identity. That's how we create identity, through these memories, through this story we tell, this narrative we tell about ourselves. Remembering, you know, is so important to who we are, to our identity. Without memory, without these little shards of memory, these mementos of the past, we really have no sense of who we are. Think of someone who has lost their memory, an amnesiac, the classic case of the amnesiac. This is someone, again, who has not lost intelligence. They have not lost consciousness, but only memory. A person who lives without some anchor of history that gives them an identity. The physician Oliver Sacks has written many books, and one of his books with a great title, The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat... Um, In that, he tells the story of a variety of patients who had neurological disorders, and he tells the story of one Mr. Thompson who was diagnosed with this syndrome called Korsakoff syndrome. Now, this is a disorder in which a person loses the ability to form any new or lasting memories, and so in response to this Korsakoff syndrome, Mr. Thompson was a man who would invent new identities and new scenarios for his life, new life scripts, almost by the minute, depending on who he would encounter. He would encounter one, and he would be Mr. Thompson, the deli shop owner, and he was going to take your order. In the next moment, next person, he would be the Reverend William Thompson, ready to marry you or bury you. He had lost any sense of identity, any stable identity, dissolved into this ocean of amnesia for him. Any sense of self we have, identity, it's so closely connected and formed by our memories, by remembering. And that same reality functions not just for individuals, but for a community of faith like we are. That passage we heard read this morning, Psalm 78, gives us a little glimpse of a community with a history with a rich memory of both joy and pain that are all working together to to make them who they are. It's a community with a story to tell. It says, I will utter things, things from of old, things we have heard and know, things our ancestors have told us that have been passed along. We will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. So the next generation would know them, even the children to be born. And they in turn would tell their children that they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds but keep his commands. Psalm 78 pictures for us this this chain of communication in history. And I think you might get the idea of this psalm with these three chairs. So, this is our Yeah, Got a loose wire. There we go. I think this will work. This is our chair. This is our place in this chain. God has placed us in this present moment, this present time. Someone has provided a seat for us. When you were invited to church, perhaps for the first time, when you were invited to this church, someone created a space for you. Someone invited you. Someone made a space for you to sit. You have your chair. Some of you have your pew. You, you religiously claim that pew. This is yours. This is your space, which is a reminder that all of us have been invited in to God's family. It is through someone who has invited us in. We're not here on our own. God has used others to create space for us. And then there's this chair over here. Think of as all of God's people who have invited us in. This is all those who have gone before us, who have shared the story of God. And this is not just the person who invited you or your teacher in faith, this is also linking. You can sort of trace back a whole series of chairs all the way back to those first-eight people. How about we just use this? All those 28 people of Knox Church who began that church in 1820. But even beyond that, you can link it further all the way to Jesus. Because that story. Begins with Jesus who would then tell his disciples and they told their friends and they told their friends and their friends to those 28 people of Knox who told their friends and invited their friends and made space and created the space for you. There is this long chain that we are part of that brings us here today that gives us a story to tell. It is the good news of our great God, the creator of all things. This is the story that has been told throughout our history. The true story of the whole world, that the living God, who before creation of the world, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, in their utter joy and delight, couldn't wait for you and I to exist. God, think about that, God who needs nothing, who is sufficient in himself, God desires to be with you, in relationship with you so much, loves you so much that out of utter delight created this world as a place for humans to flourish. And as the peak of his joy and delight created you and I, people who bear his image. And he invites us to participate, to join with him in his work of reigning over all creation. But foolish people that we are, we turn from God, attempting to be our own Lord and Master, and we've only ended up with disaster since. The evidence of the past few days just shows us again of where we end up when we turn from God, a world smeared and polluted and caked over with hatred and war and violence. But God, in His great love, is not deterred by everything that is wrong. God is determined that you and I and this whole world will become holy and fully alive. To live the life God created us for, always meant for us. And so this glorious God, the Lord of heaven and earth, has come among us in Jesus Christ, who has taken on a human body so that he might experience all of our life so that we might get back our life. Jesus He's our story. The firstborn of all creation. He's the beginning, he's the end. He's the radiance of God's glory in human body, human flesh. Jesus who walked this earth, who lived among us. History shows this, who died, resurrected from the dead to new life, who now reigns over all things. This is our story of God's kingdom that has come in Jesus that God is with us, that God has provided for us all we need for life and happiness, that we are loved beyond our wildest imaginings, that there is a wellspring of joy that you can know flowing from within you, not dependent on external circumstances, not contingent on substances, a flow of joy within you. It's a story that says there is grace for every failure. There is forgiveness for every sin. There's healing for all that is broken and all the life, all the power of Jesus comes to you, is poured out to you and I through the Holy Spirit. That is the power for us to be like Christ in this world, to do the things that Jesus did. This is our story. And you're here because someone passed that story on to you. Which brings us to this chair on the left. The psalmist says, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, the wonders he has done so that they would then put their trust in God. It's talking about people still to come, a next generation of God's people. That's what this third chair here is for. It's telling the story of God To a new generation so that they might come alive in Jesus Christ. So that they might know what it is to be fully human. To know the life God has always meant for them to know. Doesn't our groaning world need to hear that story? To know that life? That's what all of our remembering of God's power and his wonders is for. For that chair. A lot of the time when we remember God's faithfulness, His goodness, you know, we do so in the past tense. Of course, that's the only way we can remember by looking in the rear view mirror. But is that what the story of God is all about? What has been? Is that it? What has been? When you think of God's presence, God's grace, His faithfulness, ask yourself this. Is it all just meant for sort of warm nostalgia for a sense of the good old days. Oh, remember what God did in the past, back then. Those were the good times, right? That's when we really experienced God. No, it is meant to propel us forward into the future. Remembering the story of God's goodness and power is meant to feed your faith for today, for tomorrow. So that when you wake up and you face whatever challenge it is in that new day, you know you can expect God's presence, His grace, His love, His forgiveness, His mercy. It is going to be there waiting for you. He has showed up faithfully in the past. So that means you are not going to be the first person God fails to keep His promises to. The story of God remembering this story, His faithfulness, His goodness moves us into the future with such confidence so that we can know that no matter what might come, no matter what, we cannot lose that presence of God. We cannot lose the love of God in Christ. God has said, I am with you. That is certain. And so your story Our story is one of God's continuing presence and power. So you can start the day knowing you've got the love of God. You've got the Holy Spirit empowering you. That reality is settled. So, therefore, go and live a life of bold faith for God. The faithful unending love of God provides such radical security for the Christian that it frees you up to live with selflessness, to live with more confidence than you can ever imagine. So back to these chairs. What I love about Knox is we're a three-chair church. There are some churches who are two-chair churches. They got a great past, but as they sit in their present. They can't see a good future. Their present is just one of decline, of one of aging, of one of dying. What I love about church, our church, is that we have a beautiful, great past that we can celebrate and recollect and thank God for. We have a beautiful present. Look around you, would you? Just tell someone beside you, you are God's beautiful child. Would you do that right now? We've got a great past, we have a beautiful present, we've got a better future too. We get to take this legacy, this story God has been writing through Knox, here at Knox, and we are called now to tell this next generation to anyone who sits on that chair. That's why we're here. We are this Jesus-centered, Jesus-loving, Jesus-captivated church with a thoughtful face, Right? That loves the life of the mind because God has planted us across from the University of Toronto. And so we want to help people love Jesus with their minds. We have this deep call to live a holy life of devotion in all of our workplaces because we're in the middle of the city. Work is our life. And Jesus has such an impact on those places. We're a church that cares about our world and our culture, a place where women and men together equally serve because they're equally gifted by the Spirit where we care about justice and compassion, about personal holiness, about joyful servanthood, where we are shaped by the scriptures, inspired by God, empowered by the uh, spirit to a life of service. This is the place where, like Jesus, we are part of feeding the hungry, caring for the homeless, loving the lonely, healing the broken, spreading the gospel all around. We, friends, are a people who tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of God. That's what this church has been doing for 200 years, looking to that next chair, passing on the story of God that has been passed on to us. You have a story to tell. Every one of you here, a personal testimony to the difference Jesus Christ has made in your life. And it doesn't have to be these massively spectacular type of testimonies you've heard. You don't need to have had a meth lab in your garage to have a story to tell. You don't need to have been saved from a life of depravity and addiction to have a story to tell. But you do have an experience of God to tell of how you have experienced the mercy and love of God in Jesus Christ, the joy and the forgiveness that comes through his kingdom. Be open about that. Be open also about your struggles to grow. Be transparent about how repentance has worked in your life. But you have a story to tell. And as we start this 200th year of our church's life, I want to remind you of something and I want to ask of you something. Remind you of this that the story of God's grace and power did not get handed to me or you by accident. Right? It happened because a group of people made a decision. A group of people 200 years ago and a whole community before that said, We will work, we will pray, we will serve, we will dream God's dreams, we will hold God's vision in our heart, we will give, we will sacrifice, we will persevere, we will tell the story of God with our mouths and with our lives. What makes a church great is when people care more about that chair there than about that chair or that chair, right? when they care more about telling that next generation the good legacy of what God has done in the past. This is our call, friends. This is our torch to carry. This is our church. So I wanna ask you something. I wanna ask for your help. Will you do for that next generation what the previous generations have done for us? All right? Will you do for all future generations, for our children, our grandchildren, for all your friends who you love, for this city? Will you do for them what all previous generations of this church has done for us? Will that next generation come to know God? The 200 years we remember a beautiful story of what God has done through us during this year of remembering. I want us to keep that chair of that next generation always in mind. Maybe we got to have that chair sitting up there all the time for us. Are we, as a church that has been so richly blessed, we have... As a church that has been so richly blessed by God, are we going to be part of a movement to press against the sweeping tide of secularism in this city and unleash the story of Jesus? The story of love, of matchless grace, of justice and compassion. The story of the living, resurrected Jesus Christ so that it will sweep once more over the whole GTA. Will we be part of a movement that tells our children, our grandchildren, our colleagues and our classmates, our friends, and from there to all those around the world, the story of Jesus. Are you going to be part of that? Here's what I know. Knox, we have a beautiful story to tell. And I hope this year, as we remember, you'll you'll learn some of the details of that beautiful story that God has been writing here for 200 years. God has used this church as a beacon of life, of gospel hope. It's been a torchbearer of the gospel. But I believe the best is yet to come for us. I believe God stands ready to pour out His power and greater blessings than we've seen. I believe God is calling a new generation of people who are just all in on this mission of God, who will take up the challenge that previous generations have have taken up as well. Because today, more than ever, our groaning world and creation needs God's people to take that up. So what do you say, as we celebrate 200 years of ministry in this place, would you pray with me? and work with me for a flourishing future of faith. Would you join telling the next generation so that they would put their trust in God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, faithful Father, dependable God, you are the source of such unending, constant love. Forgive us, God, for thinking that your character may have deteriorated over these past 200 years and that your power is somehow limited now. Forgive us for questioning whether you're still gracious. Forgive us for thinking that we'll be the first you might possibly fail to fulfill your promises. God, how grateful we are today that you can be trusted and that as we leave this place, we leave knowing you go with us, that you empower us for anything you call us to. We thank you for this church, for generations of people we don't even know, but who trusted you enough to make sacrifices about which we've never heard, people who worked and prayed and sweated and gave and sacrificed and dreamed we thank you for generation upon generation upon generation going all the way back to Jesus. People who face trouble and persecution, prison, suffering, danger. God, we thank you for, the, for those generations of people who have passed on the story that we live today. Thank you that this is the story of Jesus. God, thank you so much for all that Christ has done. Thank you for all those people who love you so much, whose language and culture and work and faces you love so much, this world, this city. And thank you for all those who are part of our church today. God, I pray for our church. As we enter into this year of 200 anniversary, God, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit in a fresh new way, pour out your power among us, pour out a, a spirit of devotion to Jesus Christ, of joyful, wholehearted commitment. I pray, God, that through that, we would see a movement of your spirit across the GTA like we have never seen before. Do it, God. You have done it in the past. We've heard of your fame. We've heard of your glory. And our prayer is do it again, God, in our time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.